the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this beautiful Saturday, December the 16th, 2023. The year is almost over, and Christmas is almost here. Uh, a couple of more weeks, uh, well, nine more days. So you better get your Christmas shopping done real quick before all the illegal aliens get it. <laughs> Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a great show. Uh, our show, of course, is sponsored by FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, you can find FAIR at fairus.org. Uh, it is the premier organization regarding the border border crisis and immigration issues. They are the ones that are the number one lobbyists in Washington, D.C. to protect America from uncontrolled immigration. It's kind of difficult to do in this uh, administration that doesn't seem to care, but uh, that's what they do, and we were, we thank them for their support. We carry their message. FairUS.org, that's where you can find them, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. So, let me tell you real quick who our guests are, because we've got a great show as usual for you. First of all, we've got uh, Mr. Tom Holman, who is CEO and President of Border 911. That's a new organization. He has assembled a great team of border security experts. These are not pinhead professors who have analyzed and studied the thing but never uh, actually been to the border. These are folks, my friends, that have been in the trenches. These are people that have worked at the border as Border Patrol agents, as DEA agents. I mean, he has a, a, a wealth of, uh, of knowledge in, uh, in his organization or his team. Many of these folks are regulars on our show, but uh, Tom is the premier, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, as far as the spokesman, the bulldog in Washington, D.C. on border security. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say. Then we've got Randy Clark. Randy Clark is uh, a reporter for Breitbart. He is a regular contributor on our show. Randy uh, is based in Del Rio, but he's been lately uh, reporting from Arizona. He is going to be reporting this very, very tragic, disturbing report uh, or story regarding the murder of a young lady here in uh, southeast Texas by an illegal alien. Don't we have enough criminals, my friends? Don't we have enough problems without importing some? It, it, this is very, very disturbing. Uh, so you're going to want to hear his report. Then we've got uh, my good friend, uh, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland from Terrell County, Texas. Terrell County, my friends, is a big, big county, uh, desert county, straight uh, west of San Antonio. I mean, it is uh, akin to Lonesome Dove, way out there in the middle of nowhere. And um, his immigration issues, his border crisis is different, very different from the uh, problems that we see of thousands of people crossing the border in Del Rio and Eagle Pass and in uh, McAllen and Brownsville. It is completely different. It's a different ball game. And uh, you're going to want to hear, he's going to give us an update about what he's been seeing, what they are uh, uh, dealing with uh, out in Terrell County. Our final guest is uh, my very good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson. She is president of Border Security Coalition in uh, 
El Paso. Now, El Paso has been also, just like Del Rio, Eagle Pass, uh, McAllen, and Brownsville, it's been, it, it has been an uh, epicenter for people crossing uh, the border, both illegally as well as legally. And uh, the city of El Paso has literally been overwhelmed by uh, illegal aliens. I mean, they have people sleeping in the streets. They've got dirt uh, uh, and garbage all over the place. They've got folks uh, that uh, are involved in crime uh, and, and drugs. I mean, it, it is a mess. And what's amazing to it to me is that um, it, it is a Democrat-run city like most of these other uh, major communities. It is a Democrat-run city, and it sits right there at the border. You're going to want to hear what Irene, her observations about the congresswoman that is there, the Democrat congresswoman, very liberal, and uh, Beto O'Rourke, he is from that area. He is he used to be the congressman. How these Democrats are functioning, how they are just trying to cover the sun with their thumb, with their hand, uh, this whole issue. So welcome to the show again, my friends. I want to thank our sponsor, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. You can find them at fairus.org. They are fantastic. So let's go to our first guest, Mr. Tom Homan. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And we're talking to our good friend, Mr. Tom Homan, uh, former uh, Customs and Border Protection uh, Director, and now he is uh, heading a, an organization called the 911 Project. Uh, he is out in far west Texas, folks, out in the desert. And uh, we hope we don't lose his his signal, but we wanted to get him on to talk to us about what is happening uh, at the border. What uh, is he gonna, What is he looking for? What is he seeing? As well as what is happening in D.C. Tom, thank you for taking time to be with us, buddy. You got it, and you're right. I'm middle of nowhere. I'm I'm driving between El Paso and Alpine. I'm I'm be doing border operation next couple of days, and, and and a correction, George, it's, it's border nine one one dot com. Ah, but uh, I'm out here. I'm gonna ride around with uh, a helicopter, Texas DPS next couple of days. Uh, I've been down here thirteen times in the last year, and I will keep coming down here. So I'm just not a talking head. I'm, I'm a guy who spent thirty five years doing this. I'm coming down here all the time to see with my own eyes. To make sure what I'm saying is accurate. So uh, this is yet another border trip just before Christmas. So what is happening at the border that brings you down, buddy? Historic. It's it's historic. I mean, just last week, you know, they've been three years in this administration. And just last week, they had another historic record. Over 12,000 apprehensions and counters on the southwest border, which was a record for the United States Border Patrol. They had over 10,200. I think it was 10,000 over... 10,264 and, and that's a record and Border Patrol is be 100 years old in 5 months and that is the most they've ever arrested in a 24 hour period so this administration after 3 years continues to fail it continues to get worse and they're not doing a damn thing to slow the flow and the people that are coming over, I mean, uh, here in San, here in uh, just uh, west, east of San Antonio, they reported uh, the murder of a young lady by an illegal alien. So, I mean, obviously, we continue to not know who the heck is coming across the border. No, you're exactly right. I mean, Border Patrol last year, they arrested over 80,000 convicted criminals trying to get in this country. You know, President Trump wasn't wrong when he says a lot of criminals come across that border. I mean, over 100 of uh, in the last two years, Border Patrol arrested over 100 illegal aliens crossing the border that had a, a conviction for murder. So, you know, and so, you know, and, and what concerns me most, we're at, we're, we were at 1.7, now we're at 1.8, known gotaways. Now, these are people who don't want to be, turn themselves in. They don't want to be fingerprinted. They don't want to be vetted. They want to get away. So most of these guys, there's a reason they didn't turn themselves in a free bus ride or free plane ride and free work authorization and three swears a day and get a hotel room at taxpayer's expense. They, they paid more to get away. So that should tell you something. They're criminals or gang members. They're carrying fentanyl or, or they're no inspected terrorists. There's a reason why they paid more to get away. That's just scared the hell out of every American. And then there are those that are just crossing and introducing themselves. So, I mean, I remember in the old days when people used to run away and hide. But these folks are all walking up, introducing themselves and asking for asylum. Virtually all of them are asking for asylum. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 saw, you know I, I, I saw a post the other day, and people didn't pay attention. Most foxers, you know, I was, I was watching, I was on X the other day looking at the border 911 uh, post, and, and they were interviewing an illegal alien. Say, did you come, come here? And he was, a, he, he, was he, he did gaming down in his home country. He's, you know, a gamer doing a lot of uh, IT stuff. He's come up here hoping to get a job in New York in the gaming industry. And the bottom line is, not once did he say escaping fear and persecution. He's coming here for a better job to make more money. And mostly people are coming here for economic reasons. And then they'll qualify for asylum. I've said that on your show many times. Nearly nine out of ten people who claim asylum at the border will never get relieved to go to this course because they simply don't qualify. Yep. And they and they are released. They are given a date. Uh, who knows if they're, if they're giving the correct address and they're going to disappear. Will we ever catch these people or find them? Well, we'll find a lot of them. I mean, we're not find all of them. I mean, I'd be I'd be lying to you if I said we can go arrest, find twenty million people, which I'm sure the number is now. We've been talking about twelve million for two decades. It's probably closer to twenty million now. And and you no, know, some of these people will be in the land and they're going to hide out. Wait for the next giveaway program. Wait for the next amnesty. Wait for the next DACA. I mean, today's today's kids and family units, they're tomorrow's DACA, guaranteed. That you know, after FY12, and you know, and when they pass DACA. Look what happened in FY13. That's when the, the, the children started coming across at massive numbers. And the family units, they're going to be the next doctor population. And, but that's why, you know, I truly believe uh, we, we need to get a president back in office going to force the law and not award amnesty. And we need Congress to step up and, and, and make sure they don't reward illegal behavior. If they award amnesty, again, they're rewarding illegal, illegal behavior, and we're never going to be able to fix the problem. Yep. Which brings us to the second question. What is happening in D.C. right now with any attempt to address this problem that we're seeing at the at the border? Well, for the first time in a long time, Republicans are actually sticking together to Senate. And they're saying they're not going to give aid to Ukraine or to Israel unless there's a border deal. You know what? That's the right thing to do. Look, we shouldn't be caring more about, you know, uh, Ukraine border and Israel border than our own border. And I was in Israel eight months ago. Israel's got a pretty tough border system, and they say it's a matter of life or death for them. But you know what? We're in the same position. It's a matter of life or death for us. We got 112,000 Americans dead from fentanyl that come across that border. We got no inspected terrorists that arrested at that border almost every day. So, you know, this is a life or death situation for us, too. So they're going to stay. Oh, I hope they stick by their guns. And HR2 is the strongest immigration enforcement proposal I've seen by legislation. I was a part of that, writing that, along with Chip Roy and some other great patriots. So, you know what? I hope HR2 is a part of the, of the deal. And if so, maybe we'll finally force this administration to do some things just to slow the flow. So do you think HR2 is still alive and, 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 and has a chance? They're still alive, and I pray it has a chance. But I never guarantee anything anymore because, you know, I, I, the, the, the Democrats, they want an open border, and there's some Republicans. They talk a tough game during the midterms. They don't come through for us. Uh, so we'll see. But I'm, I pray it does because this is the biggest national security failure in our country since 9-11, and it's time to address it. We can't push it off any further. You got it, buddy. Anything else? Tell us about, uh, about border911.com. Uh, Tell us about that. Border911.com is a nonprofit I started, and we're going to spend the next uh, year educating American people on why border security matters. It's not just about illegal immigration. It's about no suspected terrorists. It's about, it's about drugs. It's about sex trafficking on women and children. It's about gangs. Look, we're going to educate American people that you can't possibly have national security if you don't have border security. We need to know what's coming in and who's coming in. So hopefully the next year we can educate the American people on why border security is so important. So when they get to the voting booth next year, they're going to vote for the person who's going to secure this border and keep America safe. And uh, they can find border uh, border nine one one dot com. Uh, where at in the in, on on uh, online? Yeah, I think just you got the internet. Go wwwborder dot com. You see all the members. I got I got the the most sophisticated, the most knowledgeable secure uh, border security team on the face of this earth. You I brought it. in all the experts, and a lot of us, most of us, all one of us. Actually, actually wore the uniform. We actually arrested people on that southern border. We actually investigated criminal cartels. We actually put people in prison. And most of us were actually part of the Trump administration 
and created the most secure border in my lifetime. So these are experts, not because they read a book, not because they took a college course, <laughs> because they did the job. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good for you, buddy. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Tom Homan, uh, former uh, border, border and Customs Protection uh, Chief, and he is now heading border911.com, uh, and uh, we need to check it out, folks. Thanks let me a lot, tell you, Tom. Let me tell you, George, you gotta, uh, you're, you're a Texas boy, so they need to build more restaurants between El Paso and uh, <laughs> Alpine, Texas, because it's a long way to Van Horn. Apparently, if I'm in the middle of nowhere, I don't see anything anywhere. So, it, but you know what? It's beautiful country, man. Beautiful country. <laughs> Welcome to Lonesome Dove. <laughs> All right, later, George. You, you take care. Have a good one, buddy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, who is a regular guest with us. Uh, Randy is a reporter with Breitbart, and he just did a story, my friends, a horrendous story that um, it unfortunately is not all that uh, strange or uh, new. Uh, regarding the murder of a, of a young girl, a citizen, a young girl in a small community here in here in Texas, not a big city, but in a small community, and she was murdered by an illegal alien. Okay, heaven knows that we know that there are many many such instances incidents like that across the country on a daily basis that don't get reported. In some cases, like here in San Antonio. Uh, a uh, criminal is not even asked they, their, uh, their immigration status, and we know that they commit crimes here in San Antonio, uh, as well as in other cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, Randy, welcome to the show as usual, my friend. Thank you for having me, George. All right, tell us about this story, this report that you did regarding this murder. Well, you know, this all came to light uh, when... Uh, Jacqueline Medina discovered her daughter deceased in their apartment in, in the Cottonwood Apartments in Edna, Texas. Edna's a small town. It's outside of Houston. Uh, Elizabeth is the young lady's name. She was 16 years old. She should have been at a Christmas parade. Uh, she didn't show up. She was a cheerleader in high school. So her mother began looking for, as did other community members, and, and she was discovered in the bathtub of their apartment, uh, brutally murdered uh a suspect was arrested on saturday and it was it was found that, that he was a migrant illegally in the united states uh, it was a multi-agency search he's a 23 year old and according to the young lady's mother uh she does not know this person so there's certainly a lot of information that that is absent right now obviously due to the investigation uh the migrant the illegal migrant that was apprehended was apprehended in schulenberg 60 miles away so you know, there's a lot that we need to find out about this, but it's it's designated as a capital murder case. So we know it more than likely was a very violent scene that the mother witnessed there. It certainly has the community in shock. But, uh, you know, not to paint migrants, all people, you know, who are migrants and with a broad brush. But it's certainly, you know, something that we can't fail to recognize that, you know, there's some issues in Mexico with feminicide. Uh, their rate of murders of females is way beyond what we see in the United States. Uh, on average, they experience 10 murders of females every day. And just last year, they had nearly 4,000 murders of females, not counting the disappearances of females over there. And when you look at their population versus ours, we're almost three times greater in population. They have 126 million. We have over 330 million. We have roughly the same rate of female murders in the United States in a year. So that's an issue over there. And we've seen, you know, some of the cartel violence. Uh, it's directed against young men and women and the elderly. It, it really doesn't discriminate. That violence touches whoever's in the way. Uh, we have to recognize that there are people crossing our borders that pose a danger to us. Not all of them. Most are economic migrants. Most have no criminal history. But the few that do, when you count how many millions are coming in every single year and since this administration took office, it is a problem. You know, it is a problem, and it's something that we all need to be watchful for. Well, you know, don't we have enough murderers and thieves 
uh, criminals in general without having to import more, particularly when they are coming in illegally? Well, we do. And, <laughs> and we also have a problem curbing that violence amongst that, that originates domestically here. You know, we've seen DAs that are elected that refuse to prosecute. We've seen an increase in murders and crime and in many large cities across the United States. We have fentanyl issues. Uh, we have some significant law enforcement challenges domestically in the United States. So, yes, I, I don't think we can afford to import anybody who is of a criminal mindset. And the, uh, you know, the additional situation is where when we've got um, uh, liberal leftist uh, cities, city leaders, mayors, uh, county officials who have uh, literally told the uh, law enforcement folks, the local law enforcement folks, that they're not supposed to ask about the immigration status of a suspect or someone that they arrest. Uh, what good does that do us then? <laughs> well, and I think they're seeing the, the pitfalls of their policies. Uh, and, you know, they come from a place that they will tell you is of concern for the migrants. However, it really isn't. If you look at what's happening in Chicago right now, they're turning buses of migrants away. The police are meeting the buses and saying, if you do not have a relative here, you have to leave. You can, that bus cannot drop off in our community. These are migrants that are coming from Texas, from Arizona, from different parts of, of the southwest border. And these are migrants that they would have welcomed a year and a half or two ago before they found out the expense of dealing with what they're asking for. Yep. So these sanctuary cities, they don't realize that. You know, what they're doing now is is really legally a challenge because they've asked for open borders. These people have been released by the border patrol. They have documents. They're free to travel in the United States as you or I to any city that they want to. And these cities are banding together, you know, liberal cities and saying, we don't want you to even get off the bus. Wow. Well, how hypocritical is that? Really? You know, so they're finding out that there's a price to pay for an uncontrolled border and they're not willing to pay it now. Yep. Well, you know, this whole, the, the, also the issue of this horrific murder uh, in Edna, Texas. I mean, if it happens, if it can happen in a small community, it's certainly going to happen in large urban areas. Well, there's no doubt we're going to see that. We've seen other cases, you know, where, where migrants have been involved in serious crimes. And, uh, you know, they are adding to the crime that is already present in those communities from people that are from the United States. So they're just asking for an extra burden. And we're finding out that law enforcement agencies are finding it harder to hire police officers. They're suffering vacancies. So it's really a, a perfect storm in the making right now. You know, but I, I think this highlights the, the violence against women that we're seeing. You know, like I say, in Mexico, that we know there's a problem there. Yep. There's a big problem there. But we're beginning to see that here. And it's not just just the migrants. We're seeing that, that you know, gender disparity disappear. We're, we're not teaching youngsters to respect each other and to respect women and seeing them as different. You can see on TikTok and YouTube videos where you know, grown men are striking and fighting with women in the streets. There's yep. there's a lack of respect. So, you know, this highlights the fact that I think we need to go back a little bit and, and analyze where we're going because I don't think we want to be in a society where, you know, women are not protected and valued and they have to worry about their safety. And, you know, whether it's a migrant or it's a, a person from the United States that's committing these murders, it's an atrocity you can't undo once it's committed. Right. Tell us real quick, before we let you go, tell us real quick, about, you're still in Arizona. What is happening in Arizona? Well, you know, I, I've been visiting different parts of the border while I'm here, and, and still the situation in Loopville is just completely unabated. Uh, yesterday I witnessed uh, all of the personnel who should be operating a port of entry that are inspecting legitimate trade and travel, keeping the flow of goods coming into the United States, tourists going back and forth across the border, an entire city shut down. Absolutely no human activity in Lukeville, Arizona, until you, you get out into the deserts. And there, there's just an unmitigated flow of mostly African migrants. I saw a few Peruvians, a Colombian, a couple of Guatemalan citizens, but by and large, hundreds of mostly North African migrants from Senegal, Mauritania, uh, 
coming into the country on a self-guided tour through the Oregon Pipe National Monument area. And now there's some CDP signages. If you look out for the story, it should be on Breitbart shortly. Warning legitimate trade and travel and tourists not to come into that area because of CBP operations. So basically, the migrants have shut down an entire border town. It's not a huge town, but there are cities in Mexico along the coast, you know, less than 80 miles away where the hotel vacancies are rampant right now. They count on folks from Arizona, Phoenix, Tucson going down there for vacations and to use the, the beaches and the restaurants. They have over half a million in vacancies right now. And Governor Katie Hobbs just asked uh, the Biden administration for $500 million, half a billion, to help out with the migrant crisis they're facing. And she just excoriated the administration's management of this border situation. Instead of asking to shut down the border, she's asking for more money. Interesting. Absolutely. And the the pleas are being, you know, they're not met with any kind of... uh, Optimism that they're going to get relief in any way, either through policy or through money. They're, they're not, the pleas from Mayor Adams and from the Arizona governor, they're just basically being ignored by the administration, and this continues. Mm. You know, this continues. Incredible. Randy, tell the people where they can follow you and where they can read uh, your articles. They can follow me uh, on X at, at Randy Clark BBTX. They can look to the Cartel Chronicles uh, page in Breitbart News and on the Breitbart News main page for all the border stories we submit. You got it. Folks, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Randy Clark, uh, with uh, Breitbart. And uh, we need please follow him. He is excellent. He's a regular guest on our show. Randy, you take care. Be safe, my man. You as well, George. Thank you. You got it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And once again, we've got uh, our good friend, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland, uh, and uh, I wanted to reach out to him because he's way out there in West Texas, literally uh, close to the Big Bend country, if not in the Big Bend country, I'm not sure, but um, he is out in the West Texas area, and I wanted to get him on because I want to ask him about, um, well, first of all, what is he seeing as far as the border goes, because we are seeing all sorts of things happening in uh, in Arizona, as well as the continuing saga in Eagle Pass and Del Rio, um, and also about this new law that uh, will allow local law enforcement, state law enforcement, to arrest illegal aliens. Sheriff Cleveland, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show. Howdy, Mr. Rodriguez, and again, as always, thank you for, for having me and and allow me to be a guest on your show. Um, tell us, first of all, give us an idea, give us a, a, a report of uh, what uh, the uh, border crisis issue is like right now in, in your area. Well, yes, sir. Well, <clears throat> you know, as we've talked before, you know, the, this area, Terrell County, the Sanderson Border Patrol Station is, is located here, and they're responsible for 91 miles of border. And this area continues to be the busiest stretch of border, from Valverde County, Del Rio, all the way to El Paso County, El Paso. Um, The the type of activity we see here is is primarily Mexican males. We will have some females at times and and some kids, but the kids are usually accompanied by, you know, a a father, an uncle, a cousin, or whatnot. Um, But but here, they're they're people from Mexico, and they're they're coming for economic reasons strictly to to work. A lot of them are going to, to a place in California called Santa Maria, to go up and pick strawberries primarily, um, other fruits and vegetables. Um, then we get folks from Guanajuato that are they're going to Dallas, Fort Worth, to Houston, to, to further points in the country. But they're, you know, they're going for construction jobs, hotel jobs, things of that nature. And uh, and, and that was, you know, well, I didn't mention Hidalgo. We also have folks from Hidalgo going to the same places as the folks from Guanajuato. But with that being said, um, you know, we had a little bit of a downturn um, during the hot summer months. Historically, that's what we see, but the, the previous two years, we, we, we didn't have that. Um, we we remained busy 12 months out of the year. This year, we had a little reprieve, but uh, I attribute that really to, to some of the stuff going on in, in politics, the, you know, um, 
the, the title twenty one gold, not twenty one. Help me out, George. I, I, title, uh, title, yes, and I, I'm going blind too, but it was uh, it had to do title, with the COVID. Yes, title forty two. I'm Thank thinking you. of our, our cross designated authorities as border patrol agents, title nineteen and twenty one. But but no, title forty two going away. You know that definitely had an impact across the border for 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 a, a few weeks to maybe a month there, and then we saw um, the resurgence of. of cartels watching what the U.S. government was going to do, and, and now look where we're at again. You know, even more encounters, more apprehensions, more releases than, than before. But with that being said, um, last month, our, our work here, um, we had about 77 apprehensions here at the Terrell County Sheriff's Office between three of us that we we turned over to Border Patrol. We had six smuggling loads, um, and, and that puts us up to about 114 for this fiscal year of apprehensions and then uh, about 14 vehicles that, that we take off the highway you, you know and the reason even we're, we're seeing probably a less amount of crossings here not a drastic lesson um, of amounts but um, with Eagle Pass having it picked up again it's completely taken the resources out of our neighboring station to the east out in, in Valverde County, which is the Comstock Border Patrol Station. They're responsible for 81 miles of border. They're, they're, they're fourth in total border miles with the, with the United States and Mexico. Again, at the 81 miles. But due to the amount of activity in Eagle Pass, they've taken all the resources out of the oil sector, and, and they're having to process at, at many of these stations. So. Comstock has absolutely nobody in the field. Therefore, it doesn't take long for the smugglers, the cartels to know to exploit those areas even more. And, and, and why even come out this far when you can just uh, cross right there? So That's amazing. Um, that's, 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 that, that's why. One of the things that occurred this past uh, a couple of weeks ago was a report from a group that was claiming that, um, uh, that car chases... Uh, were the fault of of, of the, um, the the vehicle crashes uh, due to the to the car chases and the car chases were the fault of law enforcement and they were recommending or they are recommending that law enforcement cease to chase these uh, human smugglers or drug smugglers in vehicles. What are your thoughts? You know, and I read that, that same article, and uh, you know, it's. it's the same people that want to defund police, you know, the same people that, that want to go, um, you know, politic for uh, for lighter sentences, for, for prison reform, for jail reform. But uh, the more we do that, the more we lose um, law enforcement's ability to protect our citizens, protect our country, to protect our borders. Um, you know, we have to have that rule of law to, in order to keep a, a country like the United States of America, regardless of what anybody says, we're still the best country in the United States, um, the best country in the world. And, uh, you know, if you want rule of law, look what happens in Mexico. You have a, um, a country that's ran by the cartels and, uh, you know, they're, they're near the state power military, you know, that they, that they run that country and control it. So, uh, we need to continue to engage criminal activity at, at all levels, in all aspects. Um, yes, those accidents are unfortunate. Um, you know, I've been at stations and had friends that have been involved in them um, at, at all levels, whether from the border patrol to the state to here. Um, they're, they're tragic. Any loss of life, good guy or bad guy, it, it isn't what we want. But again, that's why we have law and order in our country, and, and we must keep that. Yep. Now, let me ask you about the um, uh, the law that was passed recently by the state, le- state legislature. And uh, it's causing a lot of um, anxiety already among uh, Democrats and liberals. And that is this issue regarding uh, the ability of law enforcement, local law enforcement, uh, whether it's the state uh, troopers or the sheriffs, uh, whoever, the, the local law enforcement, the ability to, to arrest illegal aliens. Um, what are your thoughts? You, you know, and, and I think we, we touched on this last time, and, and I know I spoke on it before, um, and, and I've been up to the, to the state's capital to, uh, to definitely, um, you know, talk on the good side of, of uh, some of the legislature they're, they're trying to pass, but I, I think it's a good thing. Um, and, and the reason I think it's a good thing is because of what we're seeing at the border now. You know, if the U.S. government was willing to take care of what's going on at the border, we wouldn't need that tool. But uh, um, it, it also shows 
people's lack of education to the issue because a lot of people are saying they're going to start, you know, putting American citizens in jail and this and that. And, and, you <laughs> know, I don't, I don't perceive that. Yeah. Um, with, with some training that, that, that they'll be able to, to receive or, or that will be put onto the, our benefit, if you will. Um, you know, it, it's not that complicated. And, and, and then if there's a, you know, any type of question, uh, you know, we can call up a border patrol, we can call up ICE and, 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 and surely seek some, further guidance because they're there to help um but with that being said you know right in the immediate border area um you know we have border patrol stations i, I bet in every county and, and if not um at, at least the neighboring county will definitely have one but i don't foresee our our jobs changing i'll still make our arrests here and or make the detention and wait for border patrol to respond to to determine that alienage if you will of course i spent 26 years with the border patrol so um, i may not have that authority but i certainly know how to um through a line of questioning, find out if somebody's here legally or not. But with the right amount of training, um, you know, we're not going to be, a lot of times two people think, well, um, you know, there's going to pick people off the streets. We'll know if someone encounters you and, and says, Hey, how you doing today? And someone responds back, Hey, I'm doing good. Or, Hey, you, I don't want to talk to you. Well then chances are, you know what? That guy's an American. And, and uh, I don't think it's better. But, you know, if someone responds in Spanish and, and through the, the right dialogue in Spanish, you know, again, you can find out someone's from here has a, a permiso or, or some sort of status. So, and, and a lot of times, as you know, people that, that are pending stuff, and more so those that are really legitimately pending immigration case or status, they proudly carry those documents and, and have them ready to show. I mean, I've experienced my years as a Border Patrol agent, but... I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, having been a Border Patrol agent out here in West Texas and in Big Bend sector where it, it, we used to have stations in, in Lubbock and Amarillo, those have since gone by the wayside. But, you know, they they were there and they produced a lot of apprehensions. And it was because of I-40 running across North Texas, coming up out of Arizona, California, where people would make it not to I-10. They would go beyond because they know how heavily patrolled I-10 is, if you will. And, uh, it, and they would make it through and then they'd get pulled over up somewhere in, in North Texas in the panhandle and, and then a, a trooper or state or a, a local would find out that, okay, I may have a legal alien smuggling, but we can call a border patrol in those locations, love the Cramarillo. And, and now we don't have that ability. So uh, there's a lot of people up on that I-40 and, and other interstates there. They're traversing the United States of America to get to their destination. So just another tool in the bag. Mr. Rodriguez. Yep, it is. It really is. My man, uh, give, give us give us what you see as the biggest challenge there in Terrell County, in the wide open spaces of Terrell County. What is your biggest challenge? You know, and if I, if I can, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, we've talked plenty about what the overall problem is across the border. We've talked about the solutions. And unfortunately, we're going to have to wait another year until we get another president in the White House. Yep. Um, out here in Terrell County, it's the terrain. Um, I've mentioned to you, you know, the 2,000-mile um, length of border we have with Mexico that the United States shares, the roughest, toughest, most unforgiving portion of that um, border is out here in Terrell County. And it, it's due to the, um, I mean, the, the mountains, the canyons. Um, you, you know, it's it, it's it, it really is unforgiving. And, and historically, with the levels of traffic we had, um, you know, we'd maybe experience one death a year. I've told you over the last three years, we're up to about 37, which is a drop in the, the bucket as to what Sheriff Benny Martinez deals with over there in Brooks County. But uh, but it's definitely more than we want to see and than we want to have. We want zero. Um, but it's the terrain. It's the lack of resources. Um, you know, the Border Patrol Station here, responsible for 91 miles of water, they have right around 50, 50 agents patrol that. So when you factor in leave, factor in um, training, you know, all the requirements that, that a normal duty location has, you, know, you may have three or four guys on the border at any given time. So so having a combination of, of, of agents, the, the, you know, the, the terrain we have, we don't need a wall in Terrell County. We need more technology. And, and there's technology out there that, that definitely makes an impact along the border. We've got a little bit of it here at the Border Patrol Station. Um, but, but, you know, we're forgotten a lot of times. And to answer your question, even more directly, these small communities along the border, and I can say Sanderson definitely, because you have what's going on in Del Rio and Eagle Pass, you have what's going on in El Paso and, and out in Arizona, um, and, and it's televised, and it's, you know, and, and definitely they're dealing with a greater number of people, but they have a lot more people in those communities to help absorb, to help deal with the issue. We don't have enough, but more so than we, so, so just, you know, we, we often get lost in that conversation because the, the, the amount of activity we have, um, the, the EMS response 
to those who get hurt, to those who die, you know, it impacts our citizens here. And we don't have a, a lot of money to even absorb that. So yeah. we kind of lost in the parade, but yeah. I, I can tell you, we've got a sheriff's office between our, our dispatchers and jailers and, and my deputies and, and border patrol agents, DPS sent by this governor, game warden, you know, we all work together to uh, to serve not just Texas, but, but the United States and the people here in our community. My friend, thank you very, very much for, for being with us today. We've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Sheriff Thaddeus Cleveland from Terrell County, Texas. Thank you very much for taking time to be with us, Sheriff. Mr. Rodriguez, I'll say once again, thank you for continuing to cover relentlessly as you do. Um, you know, again, this, there, there's we see people that cover it, but the word isn't resonating. And, and we've got problems all along our border. And, uh, and it's not just impacting us, really. It's impacting those communities, such as San Antonio, as well as those others we see on the news. So thank you for reporting. You got it, buddy. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got our good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson from El Paso. Uh, she is uh, president of the Border Security Coalition out there. I wanted to get her on because um, to give us an update of what is happening in El Paso. El Paso has been a, one of the epicenters of uh, the migrant crisis, of the border crisis, where uh, illegals are crossing constantly and daily. Uh, it also is the place where we have one of the most liberal congresswomen. And uh, I'm just very curious how the heck she's going to be running. What is she going to be running on when the economy is a mess? And right there in her backyard, she's got this border crisis. So, Irene, thank you for taking time. Welcome to the show as usual. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure, George. Irene, tell us, first of all, give us an update. What is uh, what is the border crisis looking like right there at your place? How is How are the uh, migrant crossings and what's the numbers and where are they staying? Uh, where are they uh, ending up in, the, in, in El Paso? In the, in the spectrum of the chaos at the border. <laughs> uh, so basically what's happening is a lot of the illegals are being um, processed. Now they're going, a lot of them, through the bridge and they're being processed. And then they're being bussed out of El Paso to different shelters. Now, with that being said, remember, it's not like we don't have illegals wandering around. As a matter of fact, the church that they always congregate by which is uh down in in downtown juarez which is about two and a half blocks from the santa fe bridge is um it's filling up very quickly and you know it's it should be very concerning because the temperatures are dropping and uh we're getting into for according to what you were telling me that we're going to have a harsh winter and I mean, I'm I'm cold. I'm a cold nature person, and so I'm always cold. So I can just imagine them being out there. The problem is, is that just like the border crisis is a United States self-inflicted wound, this issue with them being cold and not having enough to sustain themselves is a self-inflicted wound on their part. I think we have gone from the people not knowing what's happening, and so they come with um, false promises of being able to work and that, not, you know, some of them are very demanding. There's been some articles in our uh, local news where these people are actually demanding that we take care of them. And I don't know, I, I just, I will say that I don't even... Um, allow my children to demand anything from me. I'm not going to allow people that have not um, contributed to our society economically to demand anything from us. I really do think that they need to be um, their name, their picture, whatever it is that needs to be done. And I think we need mass deportation. And I don't care whose feelings I hurt. I, I'm very, my feelings are hurt at the fact that this administration has allowed all these people to come into our country and take advantage of hardworking Americans. Yeah, that's, that's amazing that they are demanding uh, better treatment, that they're demanding this or that. that to me, uh, you know the old uh, the old saying, uh, "Beggars can't be choosers." Apparently, that doesn't uh, fit anymore in, in our world. 
Yeah, exactly. So, but we've seen this attitude from them. If you go back, if anybody, everybody goes and Googles, there was actually some um, incidents where people from South America were saying that what they were being fed was what they give to their pigs in oh their country. Oh. And these are this this is food that as a I, I'm a native of El Paso, but I grew up very Mexican because my mom's from Ciudad Juarez, which is our neighbor city, and my dad's from Central Mexico, from Torreón, Coahuila. So these are staples in our Mexican <laughs> cuisine, you know. And this lady, I think she went. The one I'm thinking about is um, for, was from Honduras, and to say that was very offensive. Oh. Personally, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, personally, I, I'm i with Trump. Once he becomes president, and may God have mercy on us and allow that to happen, um, there needs to be mass deportations. We, as America, have allowed this to happen, not only in the recent border crisis since uh, Trump Trump's administration, but being a native of the border, this is something that we've had to deal with our entire the entire existence of Mexican and US borders and you know I asked my dad one day George I said dad which country are you most concerned that it doesn't go under and he said you know Irene if you're in the in open waters and you're in a ship and the two ships are shooting at each other which one are you concerned that it doesn't sink and he said the one you're in and so I'm here and I'm very concerned that it doesn't, that, it, that we don't allow it to sink. And that's what it boils down to. We are a very compassionate and merciful country. It's in our ethos because we are founded in Judeo-Christian values. And so the habitually the United States has come to the aid and the rescue of those that are being oppressed and abused. And why is it that now we are allowing people from other countries and we don't know who they are? to come and make demands to be allowed in with no regards to our immigration law. And when, if the Lord allows us to serve at one point in Congress, we need to make sure that everybody that has brought us to this place is held accountable. And that begins with Biden on down. Let me ask you, um, you know, you mentioned Trump. Uh, there have been some recent polls that show that Hispanics are very, very much, uh, almost 60%, uh, if not higher, uh, favoring Trump over Biden, which has got, you know, which has got the Democrats, has got to have them uh, very concerned. You have a very liberal uh, congresswoman there. Uh, um, yes, uh, mira, Veronica, Veronica Escobar, <laughs> who is very, very liberal. How? <laughs> what is she running on? Particularly when the when the when the open border has had such an impact on her district. What is she well, possibly running on? She she basically runs. Uh, I I have coined her as the representative for uh, all illegals because I can guarantee you that as a resident and U.S. citizen and a taxpayer, she doesn't represent me. And that is why I have run against her in the past. And as of December 11th, I filed against uh, to run against it, uh, Veronica Escobar. Of course, it's for the primary, but the the fact that she keeps getting elected is. Um, is, is the stronghold that the Democrats have in certain very um, big Hispanic population uh, districts. This is not the only one. But unfortunately, and I've said this before, George, we're not going to put it all on the Democrats because the Republicans from the top dog on down have ignored El Paso for many decades. I got involved Back in 2016, we were in D.C. with my husband's work, and then we ended up coming back to El Paso, and um, we I got involved civically, and it was learning from 
um, 101, you know, civics 101 again, refresh the course. How does the government work? How do I go to find out all this information? Because at the end of the day, if we don't get involved and we don't make a difference, it is, these people will continue to to uh, get elected. Now, if you look at the data, we've moved the needle here in El Paso 12%. In the last four years. That's huge because, again, we are ignored from the Republican Party. We have very little um, money that we've worked with. And so the first two two years, we really worked with hardly any money. I mean, like less than $100,000. And so as it goes, people are getting excited. So we have to continue in the fight. There's She can't run on being Hispanic because I got that covered. She can't run on being a woman because I got that covered. And she can't run on being a native of El Paso because I've got that covered. So the, it boils down to the issues. And I, as we go and we talk to people, and we've been doing it even before I decided to run, um, people are sick and tired of what's happening. And even here, I've heard rumors from people that are within the sphere of influence that she has uh, basically given her political career. And I think it's over 80% of the people that are voting for Trump, that are voting Republican. And I hope that makes her a tremble because she is such an arrogant woman. Um, she's a bully. She uses her her history to bully different people that are trying to make a difference, especially those that work within the county, which is where she was a commissioner and then she was a judge. Wow. Geez, I, I hope, I really, really hope that there's a change in El Paso because, I mean, I cannot understand how a city, a, a community that is so well uh, that is so impacted on by the border crisis would elect somebody that that obviously has been fanning and helping that border crisis. Irene, we're going oh, no, to have to... it's her fault. Yeah. yeah, it's 100%. Yeah. yeah, and if anybody wants to reach out to us, 915-494-2851 is the phone number to call. You got it. We're going to let you go, but thank you very, very much for spending some time with us, Irene. Uh, thank you. Uh, you you uh, stay strong, and we will get back to you sometime soon again so that you can give us another update of what is going on right there in your backyard. Sounds like a plan, George. God bless you all. Thank you. Once again, we've been talking with Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson from El Paso, and this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Once again, my friends, I want to thank FAIR, our sponsor, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, for uh, sponsoring our show, for putting up the money to uh, allow us to do this program. I also want to ask, uh, thank our uh, guests, Mr. Tom Homan, uh, Mr. Randy Clark, Sheriff Cleveland, and Irene Armendariz Jackson out of El Paso. Thank you uh, to you folks for tuning in and for listening to our program. Join us again next week, same time, same station. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.